Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Hi, I'm Jonna Gherkin, FY18 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse podcast series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Please visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now is Michelle Aikman, Director of Outreach for the organization Military Spouses in STEM. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. First, I'm sure many of our listeners uh, have never heard of Military Spouses in STEM. Can you please tell us a little bit about the organization, your background, and how you got to be the Director of Outreach? Absolutely. I consider Military Spouses to be an untapped diversity talent pool. Uh, It's a group of people that isn't part of the conversation when we think of diversity and talent, but it's something that through my journey I have learned is a very important and under-recognized and underutilized pool of talent. And there's a lot of reasons why this is important, and we can talk about this a little bit later. Uh, but to answer your question, you know, who is this organization and, and who am I? Uh, Society of Military Spouses in STEM, or we call SMSS for short, uh, is a small nonprofit organization. We are a 501c3. We're a baby organization. We're just getting going. Uh, but we are a group of military spouses who are either educated, employed, or have interests in the STEM profession who have come together because we recognize that we need to connect and support each other and find ways to be successful pursuing our career goals. And so we are uh, about two years into our existence uh, and we're finding our way. We are first focusing on understanding who we are, who is this demographic, uh, so that we can communicate and share that, uh, which is one of the reasons it's great to be here on this podcast to share it with all of you. Um, And we have a lot of goals in mind, uh, short-term and long-term, and I'd love to share a little bit about those as well. As far as who I am and how I got to be the director of outreach, I helped co-found this organization, myself and another military spouse who's an engineer, uh, connected a few years ago and saw a need. And so we started this organization. We now have three directors. We have director of engagement, director of operations, and director of outreach. So I fulfill that role. And and I my goal is to connect with organizations and businesses uh, to partner to advance our mission. I originally um, came about realizing the need for this organization because of my journey as a military spouse. I grew up with an engineer father and a teacher mother and had every aspiration to change the world. And they, they instilled that belief in me. And I believe that I could do anything as long as I put my mind to it. I went to college. Uh, I graduated with high honors. I got a degree in chemical engineering from the Colorado School of Mines. I participated in the McBride Honors Program. I had every opportunity available to me when I graduated and uh, had an internship with Conoco. And I ended up turning down full-time opportunities to bury my fiance at the time, now husband, who did ROTC uh, in college and became an active duty service member. This was the summer before 2001. 
September 11th. Uh, this was the beginning to a path that I didn't realize would impact my life the way it has, uh, which has brought me to this point to have this conversation with all of you, which is pretty amazing. We moved a lot of different times and I've had a lot of different employment experiences throughout that process. I've been a forensic engineer, a utility engineer, a validation engineer, and I even spent several years in the world of advocacy and entrepreneurship trying to make a difference uh, for military spouses and individuals who wanted to pursue their career interests. About two months ago, I stepped back into the world of engineering and I have a role called community engineer, which is a really interesting role. Uh, it's a new one for the comp company. It's part of the corporate social responsibility group. Um, and it's for a natural gas company that serves the entire Washington, D.C. metro market extending into Virginia and Maryland. I provide the outreach support that's needed for these very large transmission projects. And it's it's a very needed position because it's in such dense area of the community of the city. This is a major turning point for me as a professional and a military spouse. And I think any military spouse would recognize that this is, this is a really a powerful moment in, in the course of my career, because this has brought together all of my diverse experiences that I've had in STEM and outside of STEM as a professional. And I truly believe that I would not have had this opportunity had I not been a military spouse and been forced to change along my career journey. So with all of that being said, I have had a very um, unique and diverse and felt very uncontrolled sometimes um, path towards achieving my career goals. And, and obviously I'm not, I'm not there yet, um, but we are nearing the end of our military service commitment here in the next several years. Um, and so we're able to look towards this next chapter, but I still see such a need to not only understand military spouses and especially those with STEM interests, um, but also how can we support them and how can we leverage the unique experiences and the diversity of thought that they can bring to the table in the world of employment. So, Michelle, for those of our listeners who might not be familiar with um, folks who are in the military and the challenges they face, especially as a military spouse, can you tell us a little bit about why you've had such challenges in advancing your career? Yeah, there's a lot of situations about this with this lifestyle that 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 make it challenging when it comes to a career. Uh, the first one that most people readily recognize is the mobility piece. Uh, many military families are moving every three to five years. Um, that's not always the case. There are some military families that stay in the same place for their entire career or 10 years at a time. Um, there are some families that move every year. Um, and so you're going to, you're, you're going to experience the range of, of mobility. Um, but on average, military families tend to be more mobile than the general population. Now, 10 years ago, this was a big challenge, even as recent as 10 years ago, because civilians weren't as mobile. But as the younger generations are coming up into the workforce, the workforce is having to adapt to mobility. And so there's becoming more options available for families that are mobile 
to work. So flexible work arrangement, remote work opportunities, those types of accommodations or advancements in work arrangements are, are lessening that challenge for military spouses when it comes to working. There's some other challenges in place um, regarding childcare for those families that have children. Uh, military spouses uh, often report that the limited access to high quality child care in their area makes it difficult for them to pursue their career goals. Uh, service members uh, often deploy. Um, MOA, the Military Officers Association of America, uh, did a study. Um, boy, I can't remember what year. It's been within the last five years. And they profiled who is the military spouse and they found that the average military spouse is 33 years old. They're likely to have children in the home. They're likely to be employed. And we did a study from our organization. And the study said that 40% of our respondents, those who have interests or are educated or are currently employed in the STEM field, 40% that the lack of or limited access to quality childcare has impeded their ability to pursue their education or job opportunities. So childcare is also a challenge for those who have children. Um, the deployment rates, um, the MOA, MOA profile that I, that I just mentioned uh, said that the service member on average has been deployed for 24 months, so two years. My situation, um, I stopped adding up the days long ago, uh, but we've had 14 deployments. So that's a lot of transition in our family as far as my spouse being regularly available for family life obligations and caretaking. Um, and so for a spouse, it's important to have some support um, and, and some ability to be flexible to adjust when those situations come up. Thanks, Michelle. That's a, a really good list of things that we should be considering that I'm sure some of us have not previously thought of. But let's, how many people are we talking here? I mean, how many in the military have spouses and how many are in STEM specifically uh, that you are targeting? That's a really great question. And one of the reasons why we exist as an organization is because that, that number is unknown. But let me give you some ballparks just so you can get your head around um, potentially how many we're talking about. So about 1% of our population is currently serving. About 10% are veterans. So when you look at it through that scope, um, you, you can see, okay, this is a small percent of our population. And when you look at how many family members are there for those, for that 1% that's currently serving, a DOD demographics report identified that there's 2.7 million active duty family members. And this number actually outnumbers service members. About 56% um, are family and 43% are service members when you look at who is the community, the military community. Uh, DOD recently reported, at least the most recent information that I've seen, that there's about 1.1 million military spouses. So those who have service members who are actively serving either through active duty or guard and reserve. For 1.1 million spouses, we really don't know how many are STEM professionals. So what we've done as an organization is we looked at 
Well, how many professionals as a whole in our society are STEM? And the Department of Labor, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, I believe 2009 is the data point that we have, uh, says about 6% of the population are STEM professionals. And if you apply that to that 1.1 million, that means 66,000 military spouses could or should be in STEM if they want to represent the same proportion as the civilian society. I believe it's significantly less than that um, for a number of reasons. Um, And some of those tie back to the challenges that we just discussed. It makes it difficult to be employed in a profession of choice um, when you're a military spouse. If you look at the military family as a whole, spouses and or children, um, dependents, going back to that 2.7 million, if you apply that 6% to it, that's 162,000 individuals. So not only are we looking at potentially supporting spouses who could be or should be in STEM, but also if we're looking at kids, who are the kids that we should be fostering STEM and exposing them to it um, so that they grow up and, and, and consider STEM as a profession? So although when you look at society as a whole, that's not a large number, if you, if you really think about 66,000 military spouses or 162,000 military spouses and dependents, um, that really should be in the STEM field, that's a considerable amount, enough that we should be paying attention and thinking about it because we all know that there is a huge talent gap when it comes to STEM and our country and our world needs individuals who have diverse perspectives, diverse thoughts, uh, who will consider this profession. So our goal as an organization is to identify Well, who is out there? And that's our first task is to find military spouses in STEM and gather them into our organization as members and and start asking those questions. You know, what is it that you want? What challenges are you facing? What can we do? Um, And that's where we're at right now. And the survey that we conducted last year, we had... 296 respondents. That's only 300 people, but that's still 300 more than who I even knew were out there because it was about 10 years into my military family life before I met another individual in the STEM profession, another military spouse in the STEM profession. So they're hard to find. Um, And so we're trying to be a beacon to attract them, uh, to understand and and connect um, so that we can not only support those that are currently in STEM, but encourage more military spouses to consider STEM. So let's talk a little more about the survey and what you found. Um, Was there anything surprising that came out of the data you collected? It wasn't surprising to me, but I think it's surprising to people who are actively trying to help with military spouse employment uh, because the profile of military spouses who are interested in STEM or in STEM is different than the typical military spouse. So our survey found that uh, 
93% of, of the respondents were educated, currently employed, or interested in STEM. So we only had 7% um, who, who fell outside of that, out of that profile. So um, a high number of our respondents, you know, met our, our goal of, of the person who should be responding. 85% of those people have a bachelor's or higher, 49% have a master's or higher, and 14% have a PhD. And this is different than what I think most people in and out of the military community think of when they think of military spouses. So we found that they are highly educated. We also found that these are individuals who have some really interesting professions. And just to name a few, you know, some of them are computer programmers, aerospace engineers, meteorologists, researchers, molecular biologists, statisticians, STEM educators, and the list goes on and on and on. And one of the questions that we asked was, you know, what is your profession? What would be your ideal profession? And there was a big discrepancy there. So I think military spouses have much higher goals in the STEM arena than what they're able to accomplish right now. And I think that's notable. And I think that's something that we need to pay attention to because other surveys, not, not ours, but other larger surveys indicate that 90% of military spouses are underemployed or unemployed for those who want to be employed. That's a huge number. Unemployment is a really big problem. Um, with these high education levels, this profile, this demographic that we are aiming to serve and integrate into companies everywhere is high value. They have a lot to offer. They have a lot of diverse experiences and they have a lot of education. We also found that about half of our respondents have been a military spouse for five to 15 years. So they aren't necessarily the brand new spouse and they aren't necessarily the spouse who's uh, been around a long, long, long time. But these are spouses that uh, have experience. 78% said that being they felt that being a military spouse has hindered their ability to be employed. And 80% said that they felt that being a military spouse has hindered their ability to be employed in their desired field or profession, which is one of the reasons that we're glad to exist. And one of the reasons I'm glad to be able to be here and to share our story, to open this conversation, uh, to acknowledge that, hey, this is a this is a population that we need to better understand um, because it's not something that's part of the conversation when we talk about supporting our military community. So, Michelle, that's all great information. What can our listeners do either as individuals or try to influence their company? What can we do to help? Uh, because we certainly don't want to lose this valuable talent that uh, is out there and being underutilized. Yes. So that's a great question. And I'm glad that you asked it because that's what it comes down to is taking action. Uh, the first step is recognizing that this talent pool is out there and that there are maybe different um, than other diversity talent pools. Um, and so the first step is to acknowledging that and seeking information. And so what I always challenge people who are unfamiliar with the military community is to find somebody, find somebody who is a military spouse. Um, and if you are in a company that has STEM professions, try and find a military spouse with STEM interests or working in a STEM role. And I have found over time, as we've been on this quest to find those individuals, that sometimes they're right under your nose and you don't even realize it. You just have to ask the question. 
for example, I just did the uh, SWE uh, congressional outreach today, and I met two military spouses at that event just because I started talking about this topic. Um, and so just start asking the question, find those individuals, learn about them, because the more that they become a part of your everyday, the more aware that you become and the more that you can identify, what can I do to help? What can I do to support them? And I challenge you for those individuals that are part of your life is to be a part of their support system and help be part of their professional network. Uh, the number one thing that our survey respondents said that they need in order to be more successful with their career endeavors is networking. Networking with individuals who want to have an open hand and an open door to help them reach their potential. If you meet a military spouse, we encourage you to connect them with resources that are available because many military spouses don't know that there are resources out there for them. Uh, I like um, a free guide that's put out for military spouses by the Military Officers Association of America, MOA, and it's available online and it's called Keeping a Career on the Move. It's a great resource for military spouses who just need some basic information about what do I do to not only get a job, but follow my career. Also, if they're in STEM or interested in STEM, we encourage you to connect them with us as an organization. Because as I said, that's our number one goal right now is to attract these individuals so that we can engage them, provide support, and move forward. Um, regarding encouraging your company uh, to do something. Uh, first is bringing up, hey, there's this talent pool out there that we're not thinking about, that you know, we maybe have a, a hiring process that is excluding these individuals because many military spouses um, appear to you know, not have consistent career trajectories, there's gaps in paid employment, there's issues and things on our resumes that typically disqualify us because someone doesn't understand why we have those things on our resumes. So having that conversation of, hey, this is a talent pool that we should think about. What can we do uh, with our hiring process to make sure that these individuals are being considered? If your company has a military or veteran program or initiative, then you are probably in a better position to ask for consideration of military spouses than a company who does not have that yet. So if your company doesn't have any military uh, program for service members or veterans, then that's the first step that I encourage you to do is recognizing, hey, there are these transitioning service members and veterans out there uh, that are high value as well. What can we do to attract them? Once that's going, then you can bring in the conversation of, and there's also military spouses and we need to attract and retain and, and um, integrate them as well. Uh, our organization is interested in partnering with companies and organizations who want to advance the support. So if this is something um, that, that you have the ability to put forth to your company as an opportunity, then we invite you to do that. We're at the beginning stages uh, stages of developing those partnerships and what that will look like and what kinds of benefits that we can offer our members and 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 obviously our partners. Um, but we want you to be part of that conversation and drive that forward. Michelle, thank you so much. This has been a really enlightening conversation. Uh, I know I've learned a lot, even though I am the spouse of a former naval, naval officer. We didn't meet until after uh, he was out of service. So I didn't have this experience uh, that you are sharing with us. So thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. 
You bet. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We've been talking with Michelle Aikman, who is the Director of Outreach for the Society of Military Spouses in STEM. We hope that you've learned a lot as well. And for all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud. If you have not already made plans to be part of the largest gathering of women engineers in the world, visit our WE18 conference site, we18.swe.org. Information on housing, registration, and keynote speakers is now available. 